Wolf, and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witchbuster extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, good morning, everybody. 10.02 on a Thursday. Great to be with you. Luke, I am your fill-in. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander, in for the great Wolf and Luke on this Thursday morning. Tis the season for vacations, everybody. Uh, so the great Low and I uh, will try to fill the legendary shoes of Luke Lipinski and Ron Wolfley for the next four hours. Low, good to see you, buddy. Good Merry to Christmas you. to yeah. you. Good to see you as well. We are. Um, you talk about the season of uh, vacations. I don't know why I'm in here. I'm supposed to be retired, but I keep showing up for him, though. I guess I love Aaron so much. That's right. She's tough to say no to. She, she is. She but, is. She's very is. But believe it or not, Loa, it's uh, nine days away from Christmas, and I, I know you got that big family. Is the Christmas shopping completed? <laughs> yes, pretty much. Uh, the, the, my wife handles most of it. I got a couple of things that I know the kid needs uh, for, for their sports, but uh, I think everything is pretty much done. Uh, my closet uh, is filled to the brim. Um, and so very nice. Got to start wrapping these presents up pretty quickly because I know my, especially my 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 middle son or my oldest son is uh, kind of wandering around the house trying to find these things. <laughs> That's exactly right. We got I got boxes in the master bedroom that I just threw a bunch of clothes over them because I know they're going to be hunting for them uh, coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks looking for that stuff. But uh, enough about that. Uh, yeah, obviously the, uh, the 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 story on everybody's mind right now, low is uh, the D Hop situation, and we'll get into that quite a bit over the next uh, four hours here tonight. But just you know, opening thoughts from you. You know the 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 torn MCL. Obviously, is a devastating blow for the Cardinals over the course of the regular season and these final four games. But now these conflicting reports yeah. that give pause to the possibility that he may not even be back for any of the playoffs in late January. Let's just kind of open it up with your general thoughts on what this means for not only uh, the Cardinals in the regular season, but potentially now the postseason as well. Well, obviously, it's unfortunate for D-Hop in this Cardinals offense. What D-Hop, you know, obviously brings his dominance, his ability uh, to make uh, significant plays in crunch time. You know, obviously, him and Kyler have uh, built a relationship and a rapport that's unlike any other, uh, uh, you know, especially in this division. When you look at uh, even like that fourth and two play a couple of weeks ago, having the confidence to go to the end zone, knowing that Hop is going to come down with the ball, right? And so losing a guy that's that dynamic, that really almost – gives you an understanding of how teams are going to play you defensively because you know most of the time people have to have at least two guys worried about him, the corner, the safety, or at least a linebacker leaning to him for that quick slant they like to run. So now they're going to have to deal with some things that are a little bit different offensively. As far as the reports on his knee. Yeah, what do you think about that, the, the conflicting uh, reports? Yeah, so that, that, that comes down to it, right, because as a player you oftentimes get two um, uh, opinions from doctors, right? Okay. And so and depending on which doctors you go to, uh, their expertise and, you know, what they believe uh, based on their experience, you can get two different time frames as far as how surgeries can be fixed or the, the, the way they want to um, attack it. Right. So, for example, I tore my my uh, bicep 
back in, I don't know, I was my first year, 2013, uh, first game I played with the Cardinals, um, crazy enough. Um, and I had two opinions. I had one doctor said he could do some type of technique, put a pin in it, and I could be back in three weeks. And I had another doctor tell me, you're out for the season if we fix this thing. And so, obviously, that's very dra- even more drastic than what we're hearing from uh, a month to, you know, four months. Mine was either three weeks or you're done for the rest of the season. <laughs> um, and so it's just all about the techniques, all about what I think the doctor's perspective is. Sometimes when you're talking to the team doctor, and this is just generally speaking, not, not um, you know, reflective of, this, of the, our team doctor here, sometimes it's about how fast can I get the player back onto the field. And mm-hmm. so what procedure am I going to do that's going to allow that to happen versus – uh, when you go see your, you know, somebody that's not necessarily biased as far as connected with the team and de- is not really worried about your athletic performance, but your health and and, and well-being uh, future as far as you being able to play next season and then quality of life after, it's about how do we fix this thing that's going to allow that to occur. And those two different perspectives can definitely change in the time of recovery. You know, whether it's to your point, a month versus right. four months that that we've heard. Doesn't the patient have the that decision? Like, listen, Doc, uh, don't worry about me being able to walk great in my fifties. Get me right. back on the field. We got the playoffs <laughs> coming up. Yeah, I mean, everybody does, and everybody has different, uh, you know, mindsets as far as what they want to do uh, for their own career, right? You know, you think about a guy like Lonnie, uh, Ronnie Lott. Yeah, cut, cut it off. Cut, cuts his right? finger off, right? Rashad Johnson, cut it off. Yeah, you think about T.O. who plays on a broken leg. Uh, but that's, you know, to each their own. And, and a lot of decisions you have to make as far as who do I want to continue to be in this game past this year. Yes, um, um, I want to be able to play. But it, just yeah. because Hop is on the field doesn't guarantee that he this team is going to go to the Super Bowl and win it. Um, and so oftentimes you have to look at the big picture, not necessarily rely on your emotions and your wants and desires in that moment. Mm-hmm. I know they come, you know, they're not every day that you have this opportunity, but sometimes you have to take, you got to remove yourself and see what's best for you, your family, as far as playing in this league longer past this year. And then also quality of life after mi- means something. I mean, I'm 38 and I'm still out there running around with my kids, coaching, playing, yeah. you know, turkey football. And I want to be able to do that without limping or my knee hurting. <laughs> so all those things matter. And I think that's why you'll oftentimes see different guys make different decisions. Love it. Turkey football. Uh, let's listen to Dan Orlovsky. Uh, Dan does a real good job on ESPN, always kind of level-headed. Uh, some people don't like him. I like him. I think he does a good job. Anyway, here's what Dan had to say uh, about the loss for uh, the Cardinals in terms of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. It's an enormous deal because he's the guy in their offense that changes everything about how a defense approaches that, that, that scheme. And that no longer is there. I think the second thing is when Kyler gets out of the pocket and is creative, Hop has the best feel when it comes to that stuff. That, oh, my quarterback's gone. I got to get to this spot. He's also the guy that when Kyler needs a throw, he don't even have to be open. And Kyler trusts that he's going to get there. Remember, they lost their tight end, Max Williams, at the start of this year as well. So now they've got to depend on... You know, a guy like Zach Ertz, who's a fantastic player, but he's only been there about a month, right? So how does that connection and chemistry develop? James Conner's going to have to become a little bit more of a pass catcher, which we've seen. Christian Kirk got to go. A.J. Green's been nice, but now A.J. Green becomes a focal point. If I look at a comparison to Green Bay, Devontae, Dallas has got their guys. Tampa's got their guys. I get concerned now with this offense losing their best player. 
Uh, by the way, that was their music. They decided to pipe in for. All I, of a I, I guess he deserves like you know, walk in uh, take music. It's Danny O. Olowski, <laughs> right. baby. Hey, you know he's yeah. growing up on ESPN he, these days. Right. I'm like, I'm like, what's happening? Is that a mistake? I don't know. <laughs> that's the way. Face. That's the way it aired. He's got music to accompany his his hot takes. No, and listen, I, I low. You know, I I think we'll get into the Larry Fitzgerald thing in just a bit, and potentially, you know maybe finding somebody late in the season to come in and help the football team. But in terms of going it with what you got now without DeAndre Hopkins, yeah, A.J. Green has a bigger role. Christian Kirk now has to step up. Rondell Moore maybe asked to do more within the offense. Chase Edmonds. And even you and I were talking about this before the show. I brought it up. This is my opinion. I don't know exactly where you stand on it going forward, but you know, Kyler Murray's legs are still a, a very, very serviceable weapon. They've right. gotten away from that because they don't need to, and clearly that's not great for his long-term health. But if you're trying to win a football game late in the year or in the playoffs, you don't have DeAndre Hopkins. You do have the legs of Kyler Murray. You know, Maybe you break the glass on that a little bit more uh, to try to move the chains yeah. and get the ball in the end zone. Yeah, and I, and I would agree with a lot of a lot of that. If you listen to Dan O, you you almost knew what you were going to get when when Hopkins was out there, right? You're going to get you know split safeties. They're going to have a corner, a safety over the top, and you can almost dictate what coverage the offense or the defense was going to be in. Now that he's no longer out there, you're going to start seeing some other things, um, and you're going to have to adapt, right? Cliff is going to have to make some changes to maybe put the defense in some compromising situations that no longer Hopkins is out there who essentially takes two guys away. And so, to your point, just sprinkling in mm-hmm. some of the running plays. You don't have to this is a, you don't have to major in it. We're not talking about running power up the middle all the time, right? But some of the the read options or the RPOs where you get Kyler can get 5 and 6 yards and slide and get down, right? I'm not even I don't even want you to try to break it. I just want you to make sure that the defense knows and that defensive coordinator knows over there that we have this and I can we can run this at any time. And then at that point, you start dictating to the defense what coverage they need to be in. Maybe they start sliding some guys up, especially when you start doing some of the RPO or what we call on defense, run-pass conflicts, where you're faking like you're going to hand it off, he's in there, then the tight end goes to the flat, and you just dump it out. And defenders sometimes get stuck in the middle where they're not doing anything when you have – Offenses running that 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 scheme that allows the offense to move the ball down the field easy, get some easy throws, some easy yards, and make some plays. All right, do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on their community. Just text student to six two zero six two zero and share their story. What's in it for them? A ten thousand dollars scholarship from Parker and Sons and Arizona Sports. Text student to six two zero six two zero. The nominee must be a resident of Maricopa County to be eligible. Urban Meyer, he's out in Jacksonville. So where does that tenure rank when it comes to some of the worst in NFL history? Lorenzo Alexander, Tim Ring, in for Wolf and Luke. It's Arizona Sports ninety eight seven. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, we are back. Happy Thursday to you. It's about 10.18 here in the Valley. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander. Lorenzo John Alexander, 15-year NFL veteran, two-time pro bowler, one-time second-team all-pro in the house with me today. Okay. Privileged to have you. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that 15 years. <laughs> Maybe not so much second-team before the All-Pro. Just say All-Pro. 
<laughs> you say, oh, so, bro, yeah, yeah, so let people else figure it out. Yeah, let yeah, them go right. Google it and figure out where don't, I fed, fed in the mix. <laughs> don't, give up, don't give out too much information. Right, right. Just what the people need. <laughs> That's right. We don't need to be labeling it second team, first team, all that nonsense. Oh, that's a hell of a resume, man. Out of Cal. Did you, when you were coming out, did you ever think you'd get 15 years in the league? No, not the way it started. You know, obviously being undrafted. So right. I always wanted to do 10 because my big uh, brother or mentor, which I call him, Tariq Glenn, who played for the uh, coach for a long time, played 10 and won a Super Bowl and got out. So that was my, my vision for myself. What would you attribute having that 15-year career to? Um, a lot of great coaches and players around yeah. me and uh, obviously being humbled early in my career. So I was always willing to grow and change and just get incrementally better each and every single year. That's awesome. Well, speaking of uh, great coaches and the other side of the ledger, uh, it happened late at night. Uh, a lot of people here might have been asleep already. Uh, they woke up to the news that Urban Meyer's reign of error uh, in Jacksonville uh, is over. Uh, he lasted all of 13 games, won two of them, uh, and they, they finally uh, fired Urban Meyer after a laundry list, Zoe, of missteps, mistakes, and embarrassing moments, and obviously a lot of losses, and a lot of stories have been leaking the last couple of weeks. And as you know, once those stories start leaking, that is the beginning of the end. When the staff turns on you right. and they turn to the media, your days are numbered. And the latest story coming out that he kicked – uh, a kicker in in the preseason, and we can debate like was it uh, like one of those playful kicks, you know, like hey man, <laughs> right. ma- hey man, make 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 your kicks as the guy was stretching, whatever the case may be. At this point, that was the consummate straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, you know, maybe that kick on an isolated incident, it's it's blown it's blown off, and the the kicker is labeled as a complainer. Yeah, yeah. But in this case, that was it. He didn't survive it, and it's over. And let's get, we, there's a lot to get into here about why this failed as a very wildly successful college coach. Uh, but, boy, when when the stories came out late, Zoe, you just kind of knew that the end was coming. Yeah, you know, and I don't know Urban personally, but, you know, just hearing people that I know around the league and trust, hearing them talk about him, um, he has a reputation of not being a, a very high-character guy, right? And yeah. we get to see some of these decisions be played out publicly. And at the end of the day, you are who you are. And when you have success the way he's had it, you know, winning, what, three national championships, not too often are you, is that trajectory of your character going to change because you've, you've been successful. And so we've gotten to see that uh, play out in Jacksonville in a very uh, uh, bad way. Um, and it's I'm, I'm glad that they just finally, you know, decided to make a, a move because he had lost the locker room. He, he wasn't representing the NFL well at all by a lot of decisions and how he how he portrayed himself. Um, and I was just glad to see that that kind not get caught up in the money. Now, I know his lawyer is going to probably go after it because oftentimes coaches like this get to stay on a little bit longer than they need to because sure. their contracts are guaranteed. But it's just a very unfortunate situation, um, you know, for a guy to, you know, kind of reach this level of coaching and not being able to just treat people with the respect that they need. I think – the numbers in college are mind-boggling. He was one eighty-seven and thirty-two. So that that's a that's a winning clip of over eighty-five percent. Yeah, three national championships. Nobody, character issues or not, can deny that guy is one of the best college football coaches who's ever lived. The problem is again, and this has been talked about ad nauseum. You know, when you're a college coach, you are the king of the kingdom. What you say goes. You rule the roost. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you have young men that are at your disposal. You can say whatever you want, do whatever you want. When you recruit college athletes, you can recruit the best players. 
So a lot of times at Ohio State, he just had way better players than the guys he was playing against. And the NFL, you're dealing with men. You can't walk around kicking people and calling them, you know, dip blanks and 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 and, and cuss words. You just can't do that. The other side of the coin is when you're the king of the kingdom and you're working in a place like Columbus or Gainesville, you can feed lies left and right to your players, you can feed lies to the media, you can feed lies to your athletic director, and you get away with it because you're the king and you win football games. Right. In the NFL, you can't lie to the media. You can't lie to your owner, boss. You can't lie to the men in your locker room because they will call you on it. And when you have a lack of character, though, that, 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 that rises and that shows. And I don't think he ever recovered from that bar incident with that young woman in that Jaguars locker room and that was just one of the right. character issues that developed with Urban Meyer in the NFL. Yeah, it's a long list of things that uh that obviously he produced and put out there for people to judge and um it wasn't done in the best light. And I don't know if he's ever going to change, right? You know, so I know this. He probably was going to have a couple of offers, though. You know, that's that's the sad part about he this wins. whole thing, right? Because he went, especially on the college level. I, I, we're talking about college. He's never right. he's never going to get an NFL no, job. No, I doubt. I, I highly doubt. So that. Ryan Day, there's a lot of a lot of smoke that he may go to the Bears. Ohio State could be open in a couple of weeks. Uh, Urban Meyer is available. I I, I I I I don't know would Ohio State hire him back. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all about the relationship and what he's what he, what did he do for you there? And so, if the boosters, if the money's talking, like bring Urban back, right? <laughs> right. He he'll be back. Maybe maybe not at the head coach. Maybe as a consultant. Maybe as you know somebody that has a significant influence in the program. I don't know what that's going to look like. But when mon- when money talks generally on that level. Yep. Uh, things move and things happen, even though it's not in the best light or maybe even the best interest of the institution. You brought up uh, the the potential fight between Meyer and uh, Khan, the owner's lawyers. We got a couple cuts from Adam Schefter. The second one is going to be about exactly that. But first, uh, here's a cut from Schefter about the timeline of Urban Meyer's dismissal in Jacksonville. Reporting done on Urban Meyer over the weekend. And at that point in time, I had been told specifically uh, that Shad Khan was planning to stick with Urban Meyer. When he arrived at the owners' meetings this week, after you saw Urban Meyer walk off the field uh, in what turned out to be his last game as the Jaguars head coach, when he had a look like he did not enjoy this job anymore. Everybody saw the video of him with Mike Vrabel. It was almost this indifferent look of somebody who was unhappy doing a job. And many coaches, they kill for the opportunity to be a head coach. Right. That did not look like something that Urban Meyer enjoyed doing, Scott. It looked like it was something that he just dreaded. And all the bickering and all the speculation and all the criticism where he says we're going to find the leak and we're going to fire the people who had the leaks. It was very Richard Nixonian. And I think that as... Shad Khan saw the events of the weekend and processed and digested all the information and thought about it. When he got to the owners' meetings, he said, we're going to do what's best for this team. And I think he hadn't decided yet. And then we get another story that the Jaguars were informed about early this morning, where he's accused of kicking Josh Lambeau, the former kicker, in practice and demeaning him with certain language. And I think ultimately, when you're on the fence and trying to make a decision about a guy, I guess I'm making the inference here, Scott, that that Understood. perhaps pushed it over the edge. Yeah, and talk about a guy not enjoying the job. And I want to get to the second thing about you know the potential legal battle that's right. ahead. Urban Meyer was making small talk with Vic Fangio so earlier in the year. Uh, they were at midfield, and I think it, it, I think for Urban it was a throwaway comment. But I think looking back now, it was quite telling. Uh, Urban was 
re- remarking to Fangio about how difficult it was coaching in the NFL, and he said to Fangio, he's like, my God, it's like playing Alabama every week. Right. <laughs> and I, and I, I think, again, I, I, to, to be fair to Urban Meyer, I think he was just kind of joking, just like, you know, what do you say to a coach you don't know at midfield? Uh, but the mics picked it up. But in retrospect, I, I think I think about that comment, and I think you know I think Urban Meyer had a real tough time, you know, when he just didn't have by far and away the best players than most of his opponents, right? And you know, and you only had to play in Alabama uh, and a team in a Michigan a couple of times a year, you know. And yeah. I think I I don't think he enjoyed uh, having to go against equal talent every week, and it's more, in the Jaguars' case, more talent every week. Right. And I don't think he enjoyed dealing with grown men. As opposed to boys uh, and kids that he could, you know, dominate, dictate to, and, right? Yeah, but, but and which he did very well. I don't want to start killing him for his college, you know, record either. He <laughs> clearly was good at that. He clearly was good at, you know, right. handling young men and winning football games. But uh, yeah. I think when it comes to the NFL, though, he had a real problem. You know, right. when, when when all things were equal, said and done. So did Nick Saban, by the way. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a just a different dynamic. Um, and the NFL is much, uh, you know, different than, than the college atmosphere. And you can't dictate to players. Um, and it's hard. It's hard. It's not easy. And I think that is probably more so what's draining, right? Because you lose a lot after winning a lot. I mean, that can mess up with your mental health. I mean, you just can't understand how to process it and how to move forward and see a plan because you've never been in that position. And that's why you look dejected because you're dealing with something that's uncomfortable and you know that you've produced winning. So what is going on? It can't be me. It definitely can't be me because I've won national championships and had this best winning record. <laughs> right. All right. We're, more more on Urban Meyer. More from Adam Schefter on Urban Meyer coming up a little bit later in the show. Text us your thoughts on, on Urban Meyer to the FanDuel text line 620-620 right now. Uh, with DeAndre Hopkins out for the near future, could a familiar face be heading back to the Valley? Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander, in for Wolf, Wolf and Luke. Now Arizona Sports, 98.7. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Yeah, did I have a desire to continue to play and, and chase greatness? Uh, the only reason you play is to win a championship, and that would be the only reason I would you know, be participating. That's Larry Fitzgerald way back in February when Larry may or may not have actually made a decision on whether or not he was playing in 2021. That was on the the Fred Couple show, which Lorenzo Alexander, I know you're a big fan of the Fred uh, Couple show. Uh, Tim Ring and uh, Zoe in for uh, Wolf and Luke uh, on this Thursday. Great to be with you. So, uh, obviously, Zoe, when the news broke that DeAndre Hopkins was going to you know, be out for the regular season, ha- have surgery, Cardinal fans began to immediately tweet about the potential uh, return of Larry Fitzgerald to kind of fill that role and help the Cardinals not only secure a higher seed in the playoffs, but also play playoff football. Dan Bickley wrote an article about it today right here on Arizona Sports uh, 98.7, talking about, you know, the emotional charge Fitz could give uh, this team civic duty, uh, you know, again, all all the good vibes that would come uh, from that. And most importantly, you know, can Larry Fitzgerald help this team, you know, win football games down the stretch? So that's a that's a that's a lot of stuff in the soup. So, <laughs> yeah. and 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 it, and it really starts uh-huh. with it, there's real there's two there's two things here. There's a conversation uh, about 
a conversation that potentially could happen between both player and organization. And then the other conversation, we can have both right now, is the conversation is, would the Cardinals even want Larry Fitzgerald, and would Larry Fitzgerald even want uh, the Cardinals? So there's kind of two separate conversations to have. Let's start with the fun one, uh, and that's the, you know, should there be a conversation? What would it mean for the organization potentially to reach out to Larry Fitzgerald, to the fan base, uh, to the locker room, to perhaps have number 11 come in and fill a void right. both on the field and in the locker room emotionally yeah. to help this team. So what are your what are your initial opening thoughts on that? Well, I definitely think to your point from a fan perspective, there will be a significant emotional boost once you see number 11 Fitz running out there, right? Yeah. You know, the Fitz, that whole chant, uh, just the nostalgia around who he was, who he is, and what he means to this organization organization um internally i don't think people obviously you put a lot of work in as a player and you wouldn't see him as a a savior per se right but somebody that's coming in to help you win and because of larry of who he is he has a lot of respect so he would be welcomed i think with open arms um you know just understanding who steve is as a gm um, and his uh, relentlessness to make sure that he has the best roster out there to to win games I can almost guarantee he's called Larry. He, I mean, he called me last year when they lost uh, um, Chandler Jones. And I'm not no Larry Fitzgerald, and I was my <laughs> mind was so far gone, right? So Steve is going to turn every rock to see what his options are. Great point. And okay. then make a decision, you know, based on you know that, those different conversations and what's available to him in order to put a roster together that has a chance to compete. Because this, this team – being what ten and three, having a chance to win this division, having an opportunity to potentially make a run doesn't come along every single year, which the Cardinals fans know better than most organizations yep. based on what we've experienced over the last, uh, you know, three or four seasons. Um, and so you have to uh, make the most of this. Now, with that said, there is a significant jump to go from not playing, mm-hmm. not being in the mental standpoint of, of working out and grinding so you can go out there and be your best. And and I guess I may be one of the, the best people to talk about this because I just was in it, right? Yep. Well, just okay. retired 19 and somebody called me. I had been working out, but there were just some days where I'm like, I'm going to go just chill with my kids or right. I'm going to sleep in because I'm not getting paid to do it, right? right. What about, and what about getting hit, too, Zo? Isn't that a big... Yeah, I, I'm getting there. I'm okay, getting there. Okay. <laughs> I'm getting there. So that's the first thing, right? So I, yeah, I've been working out, but I haven't been working out, grinding with the mentality to go out there and play the game at my highest level, right? Not just to be out there and be a part of it, but to be out there and be dominant. And a guy like Larry, who's been dominant, you want to be... Uh, uh, productive. You want to have some value. You just don't want to be a name and that people just want to see run out there and then just stand on the sideline or just line up and do nothing. Second, if I think I can get there, right, I think I'm I'm in good enough shape where I can go out there and maybe play. Maybe Larry's been grinding and, and wasn't like me. Uh, then it's like, man, I've, I've sat back and watched football for 14 weeks with not being a part of it and watching what guys are putting their bodies through. Right, talk. Still talking to a lot of my friends that are still playing in the league that I'm connected to, and hearing, yeah, man, it's grind, man. We we at that point, and and you've been sitting back chilling, you know, playing golf, playing some pickleball, going to your kids' uh, lacrosse tournaments, and just hanging out, going to to, to uh, sons games, chilling. To flip that switch, and it can be done because people have done it, 
But it that is for me at least was has been the hardest thing. Like if somebody called me right now and said, "Hey, we'll give you vet minimum, which is a significant amount of money, and which I played for a lot of my career, and which would probably be okay with me," I couldn't get over the fact that I, now I have to go full tilt and run through somebody, right? I have to go out there and be dominant every single play, whether if I'm feeling great or not. And then after yeah. that, the Monday, right? Everybody's thinking about the game. What can I do in the game? Oh, yeah, I go out there, fits. I catch six, seven balls. Let's say I get 80 yards, have a touchdown, great game. Man, I'm surprising everybody what I was able to do after not playing for so long. Man, can I get up on Monday and move around after not playing football for a significant amount of time? Do I want to go back to having to get two and three massages a week and the dry needling and the ice baths and the cold tubs and <laughs> mentally having to, oh, my, my ankle hurts and I still got to go out here and perform? Do I want to do all that? I don't know. My life is pretty good. It's comfortable. I've done everything I could potentially do ever to impact this game. I just haven't won a Super Bowl. And even if I come back, it's that's still not guaranteed. I, I, I you know, so for me, you know, Larry plays 17 years, I believe. I think this would have been his 18th if, if I had the math right. I, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a significant jump when you can't guarantee the one thing that you want so much, right? Because he has a Hall of Fame jacket. We know that's coming. Yeah. I just don't have a Super Bowl. But I can't guarantee it because there's so many other factors that go into it outside of me just saying, oh, yeah, I'll come and play receiver even if I am very impactful. I still can't guarantee winning that that, that ring. Yeah, and, and and listen, and that's the fun conversation. The other conversation, we got to hit a break, so we'll have it coming up a little bit later on in the show, is does Larry Fitzgerald's return make you a better football team? Uh, you know, It's not like... Larry retired at 31. Larry's Larry's older now, and he hasn't played football in a calendar year. Are you just not better rolling with the guys that have been rolling with you during the 2021 season? And I'm talking about Kirk and Moore and Wesley and, and A.J. Green as your receiving core. That's Those are the hard questions. There's the fun conversation, and then there's the, the real conversation. Does Larry Fitzgerald make you uh, a better football team if he comes back? All right, the Phoenix Suns fell to the Bucks in the 2021 NBA Finals, but one Suns player has made it known that would not have happened if he was on the team. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander, in for Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, 98.7. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Wolf and Luke have gone fishing. They have gone fishing. Tim Ring, Lorenzo Alexander, pinch hitting for the legends uh, today up until 2 o'clock when we get to Burns and Gambo. Good to be with you. Uh, We are just nine days away from Christmas, believe it or not. Man, so between Thanksgiving and Christmas... The Christmas holiday really sneaks up on you, doesn't it? <laughs> I, mean, I, I was looking at the date today. I'm like, yeah. my gosh, it's in nine days. Yeah, it flies by. I mean, the older I've gotten, the quicker it comes. You know, when you're little kids, you're just anticipating the Christmas yes. gift so much. It takes, like, when is it coming? Now it just flies by. I mean, I don't know what life. I wish it would slow down a little bit so I can enjoy my kids and enjoy you know, being in my the last bit of my thirties, right? Because it's just flying Dude, by another year, man. I, Looking I, up, it's almost over. I hate to break it to you, it gets faster and faster <laughs> and faster. And when you get to my age, you start worrying about staying alive. <laughs> I, I hear you, man. That's real, though. That's real talk. All right, man. Hey, listen. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about the NFL. Let's pivot real quick to the Suns. Uh, I do want to get into this because I think it's. I don't want to really. I, the, the truth is, I hate to pick a scab and an old wound 
talking about the NBA Finals uh, last year and that 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 loss to the Bucks that it. For, for for my money, I'll, I'll just go ahead and label it as heartbreaking because right. you have a two nothing lead in any series, especially the NBA Finals, and you look like the better team uh, for two games, and you're two wins away from a championship, and you don't bring it home. Yeah, uh, that's heartbreaking. The Suns, uh, without Devin Booker, uh, play tonight against the Washington uh, Wizards. But I bring up the Finals loss to the Bucks for this very reason: Javale McGee. Javale McGee has been a fantastic signing uh, for the Suns in the offseason. Uh, what this guy does for the Suns, spelling DeAndre Ayton off the bench, I, I just think he's been a tremendous pickup, and I think he's going to pay big-time dividends uh, in the playoffs. McGee obviously knows his own worth, so we're going to get your thoughts on this in a second. This is what McGee said about the playoff series against the Bucks last year. Let's listen to him, and then I'll get your thoughts. Here we go. Uh, get over here. Come on. Give me a second. There we go. For example, if you asked guys uh, last year in Denver, I didn't even play, but I was still being that guy, that energy guy, even though I didn't even play. So it's just it's just what I bring to teams when I when I when I come. And uh, yeah, I feel like if I was here last year and if I got traded here instead of Denver, we probably would have won. Yeah, how about that? Would have won the title because he's talking specifically about that Buck series when. You know, DeAndre Ayton kind of ran out of gas a little bit, and Giannis Zo got the, got the yeah. best of him after after those first two games. Right. I have some thoughts about the Chris Paul injury uh, and, and how that impacted that series. But JaVale McGee, you talk about a veteran presence down low, and listen, this is all hypothetical. Who knows if he's <laughs> right. right? But I do know this. He's made an impact this year, and yeah, you know what? An extra big body like that against Giannis last year, uh, the way the Bucks kind of turned the tide in that series, yeah, I bet you McGee would have made a difference. Yeah, he definitely would have been impactful. would have made a, a significant difference, especially if he would have been able to come in, you know, without an offseason getting traded and be able to create the chemistry and uh, I guess the leadership mentality that he has with this organization right now, right, how he's been playing and how yeah. they've leaned on him. Um, I, it would have turned out maybe differently. I, I don't quite know because, you know, right, we're it's speculating. It's so tough to it say, been, yeah. It would have been great, but you would have had another five fouls, another – athletic long dude right that can stay in front of Giannis and make him uh, alter his shot and, and just the energy that he brings and um, the leadership aspect from playing on other championship teams that would have been another guy to be in the voice of younger players uh, on this roster yeah. that would have definitely been impactful and made a difference is the outcome different I, I don't know maybe they go with a, a, another game but you know you just you just never can can say but it, it would definitely be interesting watching him this year and, and knowing his history and how far he's come, I mean, it's just really cool to watch him go out there and, and, and play basketball at a high level. I mean, Giannis was putting up like 50 by the time that series was over. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, having a veteran presence, just another body and a guy that's actually pretty good at basketball uh, to, to, to to maybe slow the tide. I look back now, and again, I don't I don't want to pick old scabs, but I look back now, and, and I think about how Chris Paul had so much trouble handling the basketball and passing the basketball, that that injury that he sustained, boy, I, I may I may for the next twenty years think about that, how that injury to Chris Paul impacted that series because Paul was not the same player after Game Two, and I don't, I you know, it will, maybe we'll maybe when Chris retires and he writes a book or he does right. a long sit down interview, we'll know because he'll never make excuses. No, no, that's but not he, his character. But he was not the same player. 
right. in games three, four, and five. There, there's you can nobody will ever tell me different, right? After, after yeah, yeah, what yeah. I watched in those first two games, everybody knows that. I mean, he knows it, but you know that's what championship or championship caliber players do, yeah. right? Hall of Famers do. They don't embrace uh, excuses or you know reasons why something didn't happen. They push through it. They look at things a little bit different with a different perspective and, you know, and, 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 and fight through the pain and the discomfort and being uncomfortable and not being who you are. And that's why he's continued to play at a high level um, into this year, right? I mean, because I'm pretty sure he doesn't feel great every single night, right? And it may not be his hands, but something is always hurting when you play this much basketball, when you played as long as he has at that type of level. Something is always bothering you, but because he has a certain type of mentality about going about it, you know, that mama mentality that people – always talk about that Kobe yep. coined um, is why he's great, why he's leading his team, and and why they've been winning a lot of basketball games. And depending on a guy that – how old is Chris? 37, 38? My age? I don't yep. know. Right in there, right? 36. 36. 36. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. I don't, don't want to make you older than what you are. Um, that's still able to dominate games right late in the fourth quarter after he's played 40 minutes and still come up with big basket. And everybody knows what he's doing, right? He's getting to us by the elbow. Uh, you, you just right. can't stop it, right? He's telling him what he's going to do. Right. It's like that. <laughs> It's like that Green Bay Packers sweep. Yeah. I'll tell you, it's coming. You can't Good luck. Stop he'll be uh, he'll be thirty. He'll be thirty-seven midway through the playoffs okay. of, of this of this season. And real quick before we get to break, I do want to ask you this because it actually pertains to football, basketball, actually whatever sport, whatever level. Because I've heard coaches talk about this. What a what a luxury it is for coaches, and this pertains to Chris Paul. Uh, for coaches, when you're when your best leader and your best worker is also your best player. Yep. I mean, what a luxury that is for a yeah, coach. Because it solidifies everything. You know, if I got this guy that's uber-talented, is a, a future Hall of Famer that's still buying in and listening and actually reinforcing through his work ethic and, and his message to the team what I'm actually saying, it, 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 it solidifies uh, the coach's message and it, and, it, and it travels throughout the rest of the team much quicker because I'm going to respect what Chris is doing because he's in it with me. Yeah, perfect segue to our next segment, which begins an hour of the lowdown. Even though Lorenzo Alexander is here in studio, it's Thursday. We're doing the lowdown, and we're talking about the leadership of Kyler Murray as he develops into that role uh, as the Cardinals' starting quarterback. Yeah, how important is leadership following a loss? We'll get into that next. It's the lowdown. Tim Ringen for uh, Luke and Wolf, uh, Lorenzo Alexander on a Thursday. Arizona Sports 98.7.